RadioInfluence.com. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. All Out is in the books. And I did watch All Out, and I thought it was a very good show. Uh, didn't get with everything 100%, but I'd say 95% of it was pretty darn good. Uh, love the mix of what they're doing with the women and the, the Japanese women and the, the, the hardcore stuff and the, and, and the, the, the high spot stuff and you know the reality-based stuff, more like, uh, more like Kenny Omega versus Pac was or more like Chris Jericho versus uh, Hangman Page. So it's a, a great little mix of wrestling. The only thing, only little bit of uh, constructive criticism is I thought it was a little bit too long but uh, not nearly as long as like a SummerSlam or a WrestleMania. That makes that made WrestleMania seem like a freaking uh, like a, a half hour uh, game show. But a um, couple of take uh, takes personal takes. Uh, love the spot where Joey Janela got monkey flipped on the chair, sitting in the chair, and held onto the chair and landed back on the other side of the chair. You know, the, everybody and their brother has done hardcore and. Uh, you know, from ECW to Abyss and TNA to, you know, uh, Onita's company in, in Japan, Terry Funk, McFoley, everybody has done hardcore stuff. So it's really hard to make those matches new or interesting. Because, not that they're not interesting because people are putting their bodies on the line, but something that people haven't seen before. And it's little things like um, – Having the guy uh, taped to the chair, putting thumbtacks in his mouth and taping his 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 face, and then doing super kicks on him, uh, and then letting him sit with the thumbtacks in his mouth for about ten minutes. That that was something that I found intriguing. The 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 spot with Joey Janela with the chair, uh, I I thought that was intriguing. So that's good stuff, and those little things stand out. They really do. Um, I thought seriously that I, I don't know which young bucket was, but I thought the one that. Uh, took the bump from the ladder over the top rope uh, into what was supposed to be two tables. I honestly was afraid for his future on earth after his his foot hit the top rope when he was going down and he just came crashing down face first. Thank God that he's okay and he was able actually to not only, um, not only was he okay, but he was able to participate in the post-match chicanery uh which was the debut of formerly LAX. And I don't know what they're going to call themselves. It seemed like Los Periquas, but um, uh, great to see them. And But I was worried, man. That, that bump did not look good, and he caught his foot on the, uh, on the top rope. But if you haven't seen it, uh, go out of your way to at least see if you could uh, get a highlight reel of it because uh, it was some daredevil stuff, but, uh, you know, you only live once. Uh the, by far the most entertaining stuff on the entire event, pre-show, post-show, and the uh, pay-per-view was the 10-minute post-show, which was basically Chris Jericho in 2000, in, in 1996 WCW Saturday Night Mode uh, with a live microphone just healing pretty much on everybody from the talent he was walking by to the camera people to the 
promotion to the the food that was in his dressing room and and to the little bit of bubbly that's now gone on to become uh, not only a huge viral sensation but uh, best two or three best selling t shirts. Uh, the guy I've always said is a uh, is a marketing genius, and even when he doesn't realize what he did, because the little bubbly thing was uh, was not his. You know, he didn't do those videos, but once it took off and he encouraged it, and by that night uh, when it was a big deal and it was uh, trending, he had one or two T-shirts out. Uh, brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff, and uh, that's why he is uh, so widely respected in this business. But the stuff on the mic improvising, uh, some of the most fun th- stuff I've seen in professional wrestling in a long time. Uh, so I'm glad that I hope they, that we see more of that in AEW, more improvising, more uh, off the cuff stuff, more shoot stuff because he was he was really walking by shooting on pretty much everybody, you know, not really shooting, but playing his cocky Chris Jericho. You know, I saved I created AEW character. He was shooting on everybody. So real entertaining stuff. Enjoyed the show and um Really looking forward to what they are able to do on television. It will be uh, interesting to see television, as I've said a few times on this podcast and other podcasts, is a whole different ball game because you have to make it work from week to week to week and tell stories. You can't pop stories too fast, but you can't drag them out too long. You got to know when the time is right for the payoff and uh, to move on. So be interesting to see and uh, looking forward to uh, NXT live on USA Network. So uh, a couple of new Wrestling shows on the horizon, which, as I've said, could only make the business, the fans, and the wrestlers better off. This week on City Ringside, an interesting guest. Uh, You might know him from the first Tough Enough that was on the USA Network, hosted by Stone Cold Steve Austin. You might know him as the voice of the title character in WWE 2K19. You might know him as Rock the Promo champion, Broseph Joe Brody, which was a series on YouTube that was hosted by The Rock on his YouTube channel. You might know him as the world's biggest Nickelback fan, or you might know him as a contestant on Dating Naked, which we will talk about in detail. I'm talking about pro wrestler, actor, reality star, voiceover sensation. Please welcome AJ Kirsch. AJ, welcome to City Ringside. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week, maybe you could call him a jack of all trades. Jerry, is that an insult? He is a pro wrestler. He is an actor. He is a reality TV star. Uh, AJ Kirsch, did I leave anything out? Uh, A couple things, but I'm sure we'll get to them. And uh, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on here. And right off the bat, uh, I grew up a wrestling fan, and I was a loud and proud WWF guy back in the day, but I always enjoyed going back and forth between Raw and Nitro, and I count you among the voices of my childhood. So I'm honored to be on your podcast and talking with you today. Well, it's great having you, and I've been looking forward to talking to you. We communicate a little bit on on Twitter and social media. There's one specific question I've always wanted to ask somebody who's had an experience that you've had. We'll we'll get there. Okay, I can't wait. We'll get there, and it's probably not what you're thinking, but it's something that I've always, like, asked my wife about. Uh, so <laughs> okay. seriously, so th- just a little tease, I guess they call yeah. that in the entertainment business. Stay tuned. So, uh, but before that, um, most people in the wrestling industry probably remember you most by being, uh, a top five finalist in season five of, uh, tough enough. 
Uh, it was on USA Network. It was the first season on USA, hosted by Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, really uh, parade. They paraded a lot of big names uh, because they were on USA Network. Tell me about how you got involved in that. Well, that was uh, that was what first put me on the map as far as professional wrestling is concerned, and hard to believe that that was way back in 2011. Yes, so, sir. over eight years at this point. Um, and the way I got involved in that was I just. You know, as social media is great at doing, I just saw that word was getting around that there was this new project on the USA Network and that it was going to be a revival of WWE Tough Enough. And, you know, I kind of had the idea, I'm sure, as did many an aspiring WWE superstar at the time, somebody's got to be on that show. And I don't know, I think it should be me. So I put together an audition tape, you know, actually burned a DVD. There's a blast from the past. Sent least, it in. Hey, at least it wasn't a VHS. That's right. It wasn't a VHS. That's right. Um, sent it in and, you know, really didn't give it another thought after I dropped it in the mailbox. But uh, the casting uh, producers got a hold of me. And after a series of extensive phone interviews, they flew me and 27 other uh, finalists to LA to actually be interviewed in person. And when they did that, they told us to pack as if we're going to be away for six weeks. So 14 of those 28 ended up flying home and 14 of those 28 ended up, you know, staying and getting thrown immediately into the deep end of the show. And I was among the 14 lucky enough to stick around and experience, you know, the, uh, <laughs> The circus that was Tough Enough. And to this day, I credit Tough Enough uh, in many ways for being um, the catalyst that got me to where I am in my career today. So nothing but gratitude for my time on and everybody involved with WWE Tough Enough. So you mentioned that they flew you out to Southern California. I know that's where you you're re- reside currently. Where did you grow up, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, actually, I'm currently in Northern California. I'm oh. in Berkeley, which is uh, right next door to Oakland, California. I, I grew up here in the Bay. Um, I went away for college and stuck around for a few years after college. I went to Chico State, which is a little bit north of Sacramento. And man, I just I just grew up spoiled here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The weather's great. Uh, most of the people here are great. And uh, lucky me, the pro wrestling scene here now more than ever is just absolutely flourishing. Um, And so I just, you know, I wanted to do everything I could to make sure that I could call the Bay Area home. So I I still do. So had you trained at all before you went on Tough Enough or was it totally going in cold? Yes, uh, I had been in the business for about five years at that point, working for five years, I should say. Um, And, you know, never really had any breakthroughs or anything. I was never an extra at WWE prior to tough enough. Um, I was just kind of plugging away on the, uh, on the indie circuit here on the West coast, you know, everywhere from Northern California down to Bakersfield, LA. Um, and you know, just trying to, trying to make a name for myself. And it was in, I started my wrestling career in 2005 and, you know, it was it was kind of on the decline at that point. The Attitude Era had peaked. It was a couple of years after, um, you know, that kind of calmed down for a while. Wrestling was not exactly in a super great spot at the time. Not nearly what it is, uh, not nearly as healthy as it is today. So, um, you know, I was just trying to, I was just chasing a dream and looking for any break that I could. And I was very, very lucky to find Tough Enough when I did. 
So who trained you, if you don't mind me asking? I don't. I was trained by a wrestler by the name of Mr. Primetime, Zach Reeb, um, at Pro Championship Wrestling in Oroville, California. Never heard of him. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he did some work for uh, Dragon Gate in Japan for oh, cool. a little while, um, but, you know, never really had a huge run in the States with any of uh, any any major companies or anything. And, you know, I, I granted, I didn't exactly do my due diligence at the time because everybody that I've ever talked to says, make sure that you train with a reputable company for me as a college student. I, f- I was lucky to find this wrestling school that was just an hour away from where I was at the time. So as I was going to college, I was also going to wrestling school to learn to be a wrestler because that had always been the dream. And another thing I hear from everybody I've ever talked to is make sure you go to college because the chances of you making a living in this business are slim and none, just like any other professional performance or any other professional sport. So it's, you know, I knew I was fighting the odds, but I had this dream that I wanted to to chase down. So um, it was more of convenience than anything else. But, you know, I felt like I got a great education um, from pro championship wrestling and from Zach. So um very happy with how I was trained. And, you know, it's it's done OK for me so far. Sure. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what was your uh, college uh, major? communications ah. because i knew because i knew i had to be good at talking in front of people it's interesting we had christopher daniels on a couple of weeks ago and he majored in um acting uh drama oh, okay and yeah. i i asked him if he did that in anticipation for uh for being a pro wrestler and being in front of a crowd and on on the mic and he said he didn't at the time he wanted to be an actor uh but that um it certainly helped him when it came to performing in front of a crowd when he was uh starting in the business and performing on a microphone so uh oh, you know sure. s- sort of the same you know not acting but you know and anytime you could communicate if you could talk you could talk you know that's yeah. just the way it is so we've had a couple of contestants on that were on different seasons of tough enough i know uh, we had uh, uh, Tyrus was on. He wasn't really uh-huh. tough enough. That was more NXT, and it was more of a controlled environment. Josh Matthews was on season one. He was on our podcast. How yep. much? How much was your season? Because I know they totally rebooted the whole thing. They brought Steve Austin on and made it into I don't want to say a a higher a bigger production, but it was a bigger production. So how much? Uh, how much of that was scripted in your season versus real life? When I say scripted, uh, I mean scripted reality. I know they don't. Of hand course, you, I know they don't hand you a, a script and say this is what we want you to say. But I do right. know from talking to people that have been in reality television that they they kind of push you certain ways sometimes. Yeah, the phrase that I like to use is guided reality. There you go. Um, the producers on the show will oftentimes see a story developing, or they'll get a feel for the human beings who are on the show, and then you know, decide behind closed doors or at least discuss behind closed doors. Like, okay, who can we put together that would make some sparks fly? Or how can we, how can we, how can we get some tension in this situation? Or, you know, who's doing a good job, who's doing a bad job and how can we get a story out of that? So it's not to the best of my knowledge. And I was, you know, other than being in the room with the producers, as these discussions were happening, I felt like I was pretty close to the whole thing. Very, 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 very little of it was actually scripted or or, you know, engineered, I should say. Um, everything that happened happened. 
Um, as I understand, Steve, you know, wasn't told ahead of time, here's who we want you to eliminate. Here's who we want you to keep around. That was all him. Um, but, you know, the as they see stories developing throughout the course of the show, um, when they pull you aside for those quick interviews just after something happens or, you know, let's say you win a skills challenge, they could pull you aside and ask you questions that would compel answers to um, you know, put life behind the story that the producers see developing that would make for compelling television. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. If I remember correctly, there was uh unusual amount of injuries that season. Am I remembering correctly? You are remembering correctly. There were a bunch of injuries that season. And in fact, um, <laughs> I kind of joke about this, but had Martin Casaus who went on to you know, be a champion at Lucha Underground, and he's just gone on to do amazing things in the business. Had he not hurt his ankle, I probably would not have lasted nearly as long as I did because I had had a bunch of rough days <laughs> leading up to that point. And so he had to withdraw from the competition, so there was no elimination that week. Um, but yes, to, so and anyway, to answer your question, yes, there were a lot of injuries in that season. And, you know, <laughs> I don't feel great about saying it, but it worked out okay for me. What's interesting about your elimination was uh, the, the show you were eliminated on, and there's not a lot about this. I, I've, I've tried to find the interview segment on, uh, on YouTube, and I, I couldn't find it. I don't, I don't know if it's out there alive, but I couldn't find it, and I looked pretty hard. But there was a um, kind of promo contest that The Rock was in charge of as a skill segment, correct? Correct. Yeah, he and, was the uh, the guest trainer that day, and that was a surprise to all of us as well. That was a complete surprise. We had no idea he was going to be there. I mean, yeah, that has to be cool. There's only two people in the business that I've never met. One's Vince McMahon, and one's The Rock. Uh, I oh, heard wow. I heard one is really cool, and the other one's cut. No, I don't want to even go there. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but um, but yeah, but you won. The, and again, I'm, I was I, I did my uh, research for this, but it's 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 hard to find. If I if I am correct, you won the promo contest, got put over hugely by The Rock, but got kicked off anyway by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Is that correct? I'm sorry, I, I cut out for a little bit there. Could you repeat okay. the question? So if, so if I got this right, you won the promo contest, got put over huge by Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and then got kicked off by Stone Cold Steve Austin anyway at the end of the episode. Is that do I have that right? You do have that right. Yeah. And uh, like I mentioned, I had had a bunch of rough days leading up to that point, And I was, you know, thrilled to have that kind of point where I first realized that maybe my contributions to wrestling are more valuable behind a microphone than they are in the ring. Um, but Bill DeMott uh, had a great point when they were deliberating over who they were going to send home and who they were going to keep around. And I think he said, uh, one good day does not a career make. And I just kind of got a kick out of the way he said it. But also he's right. Like I had a great showing with the skills challenge and cutting a promo, but that doesn't make up for the rough days that I had leading up to that point that landed me in the bottom three and in danger of being eliminated. So you know, I can't, I'm not, I wasn't angry at the time. Like I understood, I was disappointed, obviously that it came to an end, but, uh, just yet another reason that I'll always be grateful for tough enough was having that moment where I kind of knocked bill on his butt with that promo and, uh, got those kudos from Dwayne Johnson. 
If you find that promo, send it to me, and I'll put it up on, on my Twitter, uh, you know, the week when this podcast airs next week. But um, I, I can't find it for the life of me, and I looked. Yeah, I'll, I'll dig around in any uh, hard drive I have. I'm sure I have it somewhere. I'll send it to you. Okay. So after Tough Enough, uh, so you, you make it to the final five, you get eliminated, uh, you got to show your, your, your speaking wares, so to speak, your promo yep. skills. Uh, what was next after that for you? So next after that, that was uh, taking the advice uh, that I got from Bill DeMott afterwards and just working as many places as I possibly can. And that would eventually lead me to a promotion that started getting some buzz here in the San Francisco Bay Area, Oakland to be specific, called Hood Slam. And Hood Slam is kind of uh, was the anomaly at the time from every other promotion that I'd ever worked for because it was a 21 and over promotion. Um, you know, whereas most promotions try to cater towards kids and towards families, this was strictly. 21 and over. In fact, one of the slogans is don't bring your effing kids. So it was pretty clear that it's a, it's a 21 and over promotion. And I was feeling kind of stifled as a performer because everybody coming to the other shows saw me as, or they, they wanted to see AJ on tough enough and AJ on tough enough. Wasn't a character. It was just me. Right. But as a performer, there's no creativity there. There's no, there's, there is no performing. It's just me just wrestling. And that wasn't a whole lot of fun for me. So when I came to hood slam, I quickly realized that the crowded hood slam, some of them are wrestling fans, but most of them are just fans that are out and about. I mean, not even fans. Most of them are just people out and about on a Friday night looking to have a good time. They're looking to drink a little bit. They're looking to, you know, yell and scream and get a little rowdy. And they didn't care that I was on tough enough. So that gave me the creative freedom to come up with a completely new character and I was so sick of being a baby face after Tough Enough and just be, you know, coming out like, yeah, I'm on TV. Woohoo! Like, cheer me. Um, I wanted to be a bad guy. And so I put together a character that I thought that crowd would just detest immediately right off the bat. And I came up with the douchiest bro that's ever broed. Uh, and this is back in like 2012, mind you. Uh, and the character Brosif Joe Brody was born. And I have had so much fun doing that character over the years. And that's when I really feel like I started to blossom as a performer. Yeah, even it, it, that character even has a separate Twitter account, I see. Uh, yes, he does. He's kind of rude, too. So if you, uh, <laughs> he's, he's a bit of a jerk. He's, he's, he looks the way you would he, – he, he acts the way you imagine he smells. He smells like axe and desperation. It's kind of sad. Now, does he like Nickelback? Because I know you like Nickelback, oh. and you're proud of it. He loves Nickelback. That's the only <laughs> thing he and I actually have in common is that we're both shameless Nickelback fans. He, he takes it to the nth degree, though. He's a little bit more obnoxious about it than I am. But, but yes, he does love Nickelback. You know, I always used to not like Nickelback, and then they were they were on uh, on Axis. They had a concert, and so me and my wife were watching like a couple months ago. And I didn't yeah. real I didn't realize they have some good songs actually. And I'm not to say yes. that to kiss your ass. It's just yeah. fun. It's, it's fun to hate Nickelback. It's just like it is. They're the fun band to hate. But the thing is, everybody knows and likes at least one Nickelback song. I like had no they, I had no idea. Right. My my wife was like, yeah, this is a Nickelback. And I'm like, is this a cover? And she's like, no, this is a hit with Nickelback. And I'm like, why haven't we seen these guys out at the amphitheater? <laughs> and and she, they're a blast, too. I mean, you go to one of their shows, and it's like pyro and smoke and video screens and, like, 
you know, Chad Kroger's throwing beers out to the crowd. Like it's a really, really good time. It's just a good, fun rock show. So I uh, want to uh, move a little bit to uh, you did some reality television that wasn't tough enough. Um, you also <laughs> did some acting. I-, I thought you lived in L.A. Uh, I was not uh, I was not aware that you live in Northern California. I know how the scene works in L.A. as far as everybody passing numbers around and, and you know, uh, how that works. Uh, when I was at it, uh, when I visited Roddy Piper's apartment in LA when I got him booked on the Wayne Brady show and I was doing PR for him. Oh, cool. Uh, I don't even know if it's still up and I have no idea what it's called, but there's like an apartment, huge apartment complex in Hollywood and it's sort of almost like an extended stay. And there's like, um, and, and there's like, a, I went, we went into the main like room cause he had to pay his, his rent or whatever. And, uh, and there was also like a little supermarket in there and they had coffee. It was almost like a hotel and you see, and I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't even know if it's still there, but I yeah. saw all these actors that I could, I knew I had recognized them from, from commercials or, you know, they all look familiar, but I didn't know who any of them were. And I, they were all talking with each other. Uh, <laughs> it's like a whole subculture talking with each other saying, Hey, you know, I have, I have this, uh, you know, I've heard of this thing and you know, yeah, they're looking for extras on this thing and I might get on this thing. I, I don't know. I'm curious if you went through any of that or you were just lucky enough to get what you got living in Northern California and having an agent. You know, I, it's not near. It's not the thing up in Northern California. Like show business is the thing in LA. I think more than anything else, people associate tech with the San Francisco Bay Area. So it's not the, you know, number one um, area of work up here. But there's enough work up here that you know you can make your living up here working as a full time actor and performer. And I'm very lucky to be able to be doing that right now. Um, you know, a lot if you look at movies over the years like there's some more and more blockbusters are shooting up here i think and i may have this incorrect but i'm pretty sure san francisco either as a city or a county gives really good um tax breaks to to um production companies who want to shoot up here they're trying to get more work up here and so for people in the industry um either as pas or actors or you know, lighting tax or whoever, there's a lot of work to be found in the San Francisco Bay area right now. So it's, it's, you know, it it comes in ebbs and flows. Sometimes I wish I had 30 hours in a day and, you know, over the summer, for example, it's been a bit on the slow side. So I've kind of had to like (laughs) be okay with having a little bit more downtime that I'm used to. And when you're used to going and going and going, that's not an easy adjustment, but the short answer is (laughs) after the long answer yeah, uh, there's a lot of work in the San Francisco Bay Area right now, and a lot of it is networking and just word getting around and being like, hey, have you heard about auditions for this? And like, they, you know, this you know, Universal is going to be shooting something up here. Have you talked to anybody about it? So it works kind of the same way, but there's just a lot more of that happening in Los Angeles being the show business capital of the world. Sure, there's a lot of cities that are starting trying to steal a bit of Hollywood by offering – tax breaks i know toronto does and interestingly yep. enough the place where i lived when i was uh uh in wcw it's a little town called peachtree city in south uh west georgia they uh they've been paying huge giving huge tax uh, discounts and uh a, a lot of huge really big shows science fiction shows tape on they, they built sound stages out there on like an acre of land it's huge. i don't know right. if you're familiar with it but there's a, a friend of mine called darwin who used to work one of the uh, 
the the crane cameras in WCW, and we became friendly with his him and his wife and his kids. And he does almost everything, just living right there in Peachtree City and doing work on all these big uh, uh, cable television shows. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing where you can find work nowadays. And you know, between uh, the acting stuff that I'm involved with now, between you know, staying very busy in the realm of independent wrestling. Um, I'm lucky be, to be able to be making it work right now. So, and I realize that may not last forever. So I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can. I'm saving as much money as I can. Um, but you know, so far, so far, so good. As of, uh, next month, it'll be two years since I've had quote unquote, a real job. My last job was working construction, just doing demolition and cleanup. I you know, had no idea what I was doing, but I could knock stuff down and clean it up. Um, so again, very grateful and very lucky to be where I'm at right now. Let me ask you a question, folks. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep on walking? I know what I'd do. Of course, you take the money. I'd take the money. Everybody's going to take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast. It's easy. And they pay when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. They are the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you could always take the other side. That was a surprise to me. I don't see how you could lose if you could start on one team and at halftime you could bet the team that's winning. You can't beat that. Also, if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like I am, I like to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Yes, it is. Love the NFL season. They also let you bet over and under on fantasy points, which is one of my favorite things to do at my bookie. Join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Remember that $100 laying in the street? No easier way to get $100 or more free than using the promo code RINGSIDE to activate the offer. That's promo code RINGSIDE, R-I-N-G-S-I-D-E. Visit mybookie.ag today, mybookie.ag. Put in the promo code RINGSIDE, and they will double your first deposit. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So ironically enough, you did a reality show that I used to watch. I would watch it. On, <laughs> I would watch it on the weekend uh, after a few drinks. You know, anybody that listens to me on the podcast knows that on the weekend I like to have a few vodkas. Although I got to cut, yeah. I got to cut back now because I got bad news from the doctor. <laughs> but I'll be, I'll live. Uh, oh no! But uh, but yeah, got to cut back a little bit. But it was one of my favorite shows to watch when I had a few drinks at like two a.m. on a Friday night. It was called. <laughs> Dating naked. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> and 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 actually, I went back and watched the episode that you were in yesterday. But I had seen it before. I remember because I remember thinking at the time, not only was it a wrestler I had never, I, I wasn't familiar with, but but you were a wrestler. But uh, but. You, you couldn't make up your mind with the girl, which what, what you wanted to do. The first day you wanted to be friends. The second day she wanted more. The third day you wanted something. And so I remembered it when I, uh, when I went back and looked at it just for research purposes. So, of course, tell, tell, me about, tell me about now, just to be clear, they don't show you and the girls naked. They cover up the specific body parts, not the rear right. ends, but the, the, the tops and the bottoms, the tops for the girls and the bottoms for the guys and the girls. So how did you end up on a, a show 
called Dating Naked. Why did you go? Did you really go looking for a date? Was it a payday? Uh, you know, I know the storyline is you're looking for a new way to date, and that might be true. I'm just curious how, how you got on that and, uh, and how that experience was. Yeah, uh, well, yes to all the questions. Um, I was single at the time and looking to, to date around, and, you know, it was a nice payday, but also – I was plugged into a casting website in L.A., which I think is just LACasting.com. And if, by the way, if anybody's listening to this, you can sign up on L.A. Cast- and they, they don't know I'm like plugging them or anything. But like that's how I found out about a lot of things happening in L.A. is just by signing up on LACasting.com. There's one for San Francisco. I think there's one for Las Vegas. I'm sure there's one for New York. And they just send out casting notices. So quick tip, if you're looking to get started in the entertainment industry – just sign up for some casting websites and see what kind of stuff they put out. And if you're a good fit, why not? Stranger things have happened. You may as well go for it. But I was plugged into L.A. casting and I saw the casting call for an untitled dating show where everyone was was naked. Um, and I was just like, this sounds ridiculous. Like, this sounds like such an adventure and just something completely absurd. And it was the same attitude I had on when I applied for tough enough, which has, you know, led to some pretty amazing opportunities so far is somebody has to be on the show. I don't know. I think it should be me. Why not me? Let's give it a shot. What's the worst that could happen? You what's, what's that quote? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Well, so, let's put, let's put it this way. I could not be on that show. <laughs> so so well, so mean, so nothing, you had to stop to, yeah. you, you have to have you know you heard about the jewish guy that walked into a wall with an erection he broke his nose so you know <laughs> oh, uh, so uh so not, i'm not saying yeah. i resemble that that joke but i resemble that joke so i couldn't be on that show <laughs> right but, right right and, and again they they black they they, they blur it out they blur but, it out but they blur they, out the bits and pieces mine yes. would have been the smallest blur in the history of the show but anyway get, get, <laughs> it would have been a pixel yeah <laughs> getting back to the show because i know you have limited time um yeah. What? Um, so anyway, I was just like, let's give it a shot. Why not? And again, it was a casting process. Um, and I'll, I'll keep it brief here. But like the, the funniest part of the casting process was when I went down to L.A. to actually interview in person, they're like, OK, we need you to get naked in front of us because we need to make sure when it's time to get naked on the show, you're not you know, you're not going to chicken out. And I made this whole production out of it. I had tearaway gym pants. I had one of those thin like white tank tops that I put a little slit in and did the Hulk Hogan, like rip the shirt off <laughs> until I'm just standing there naked. And I'm like, is that okay? Cause then they're like, good. We like it. Thank you. <laughs> As opposed to me having to get a micro, uh, uh, what is it? A, <laughs> a magnifying uh, glass. Yeah. glass uh, yeah. I'm killing my gimmick, but Hey, I don't care. <laughs> it is, it is what it is. Uh, but, um, so when you actually went, I think it was in Fiji, um, were, Panama, Panama. Were you, yeah. were you, so, uh, the, so at that time the show was a girl and a guy, uh, got to have three dates each, but the first right. date they had to date each other and all three dates were naked. And then there was a, uh, a living kind of living area with a pool and a bar, uh, yep. where, where they, um, where you was, uh, you could be naked if you want, or you could have clothes if you want. How awkward was Correct. it with the cameras rolling, getting naked, uh, for the first time? Well, so this was my biggest takeaway from the show was when I was getting naked for the first time, you know, it was just like, oh, my God, like this is this is actually that's when it sank in. It's like, OK, this is actually happening. I'm about to drop my drawers 
and be naked with about 30 people around me who are all fully clothed, knowing that millions of people are going to see this. Um, so that part was super awkward. But as soon as I saw my date and that she was naked, cause we, we didn't meet each other or see each other until for the very first time on camera when both of us were naked and we're like, okay, go meet your date. Um, you know, it's like, here's mine. There's yours. Who cares? Like, what's the big deal? We all know that somebody's got something between their legs and that it's some dirty little secret that we're not supposed to talk about or show on TV or anything like that. It's like, what's the big deal? Let's have some fun with this. This is silly as hell. Let's enjoy ourselves. And the whole time I was on the show, one, I was thinking to myself, if I were watching this show, what would I want to see me do? Which gave me the confidence to, one, like act out and just be a goof and be silly in ways that I probably otherwise wouldn't. And two, hopefully it made for some compelling TV. But in addition to that, I got way more comfortable in my own skin because that's all I had. All I had was my fleshly vehicle that <laughs> I was like born into. And when I came back from dating naked, I just felt way more confident about my body uh, and as you know, somebody who's in the entertainment business and especially pro wrestling, when there are a lot of mostly exposed bodies out there, um, that it was just a big help for me because, you know, it's it's not a lot of people are comfortable with their bodies. But when I came back from dating naked, I was more comfortable with my body. So the final the final 30 minute cut, how much of that was scripted versus reality? Just like tough enough. Um, again, very similar. Uh, they let everybody make their own decisions. Um, you know, we, they gave us certain activities and, you know, certain things to do. Um, they did give us talking points. So like when we're getting to know each other, um, there were questions that they fed us prior, you know, prior to actually rolling cameras and being like, why don't you ask about this? Or why don't you ask about that? But when the cameras were rolling, it was up to us to do what we were going to do. And they were really good about, you know, making it natural and not making us feel pressured um, other than those, you know, a couple of questions. So most of it, you know, it's I think it's easy. It's like you see reality TV and because it's reality TV, quote unquote, people are just like, oh, it's all scripted and all that's garbage. It's not as scripted as you might think. And I argue that that point can also be uh, applied to professional wrestling, where just because the outcomes are predetermined, People are so quick to write it off and just be like, oh, it's all fake. Anybody can do that. It's rigged. It's like, no, 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 no. It's predetermined. But very few people can get in there and make what they do look easy and convince you that what's happening in there is real. And therein lays the art of professional wrestling. Absolutely. So I'm, I don't want to go on and on about this, but I may never have another chance to talk to you about this. And I've oh, been... my God. Is this the question? No, no. I haven't gotten to that question yet. Okay. Here's the first question. The <laughs> second right. date at that night on, after the second date you went on, you hooked up with a stripper with massive boobs. Sure and, did. And you ended up and they showed you a hook and I, you know, I don't know what you did, but you are fooling around. Uh, it's none of my business. But uh, did you hook up with her? Sure did. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah. So, uh. So then you kind of left her for the for the original girl who you had more of a vibe with. But when you got home and your friends saw it, I, were they like, why the hell did you let the, the hot stripper with the big boobs go? Well, as attractive as she was physically, she was equally bland as far as her yeah, personality you could goes. You could tell that. 
Yeah. And like, that's, I mean, this was, you know, this was five years ago. So like no disrespect if she's listening, I doubt she's listening, but if she's listening, like no disrespect or anything, but it was just, there was nothing, there was nothing else there. There's just no other reason for me to feel compelled to want to spend time with her. Like physical attraction is great, but that only, that only engages you for so long. And so the other two women that I dated just, I felt a lot more, compelled to want to hang out with okay and uh so you ended up falling uh getting together with the original girl at the end did you guys stay together at all or uh or how long did that last it didn't no um I, i was looking at it as i was looking at the whole show by the time i got to the end of the show i was looking at it like okay well that was fun like i enjoyed a week in panama i enjoyed a ridiculous reality show i enjoyed a payday you know, now back to life as I knew it prior to this, this ridiculousness. And I just, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't particularly feeling any one of the three. Um, I think Liddy and I, which is the name of the girl that, you know, was opposite me on the show. I think she and I got along really well. Um, she's a super nice person, but again, I just wasn't, if I'm dating somebody or if I want to date somebody, I need to feel compelled for one reason or another to want to hang out with them and just, you know, oh, that was fun or yeah, it was fine. That's not enough for me. It wasn't then and it's not now. So it was fun and it was fine, but I didn't feel compelled to want to spend any additional time with them. OK, so now here's the million dollar question. Oh, we, God, I, here we I, go. I watch all the my wife mostly watches these shows, but sometimes I have to watch because I have to be a good husband. The Bachelor, the Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> they, you know, they have all these shows. Right. And uh-huh. the one and the one thing that I always wondered was when you're a guy and you're kissing, making out, fooling around with a hot girl. Uh-huh. Normally. You get excited. Sure. Boners happen. So, okay, so let's uh, let's out with it. So, so how did they handle boners? Uh, they happened. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I mean, I, I always can't... wonder because because the guys they sit there now. You don't you you can only talk from your experience, but on like sure. the Bachelor and those shows, they sit and they make out with this girl, and then they stand up, and it's like, and 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 it's like nothing. So I don't know if they give you time to cool down or or. You know, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you know things were getting hot and heavy, and you know they we're making out and the guy's getting hard and he's just like, uh, Hey everybody, can you give me like just a minute here to calm down? And then they just calm down. And then as soon as he gets calmed down, they, you know, resume filming and they just edit it together to look like he just stands right up. Um, but only, the only other thing I thought might be the case is that because you're, there's so many, like you said, 30 clothed people around you, it's hard to get into the mood when there's, uh, you know, all these people watching you. Yeah. I, and it's funny, like there was a crew on tough enough too, but when you're told to ignore the cameras and just act like they're not there, it's amazing how quickly everybody around you disappears. Um, and they're just in your peripheral vision, but you don't even see them. So it's like really easy when, you know, there's four or five cameras on you and somebody holding a microphone and 15 people with clipboards and earpieces, how quickly they go away. So if you're making out with somebody and things are getting hot and heavy, uh, and especially if you're naked and there's, and it was like warm in Panama the whole time. So it was, I mean, they happened. And it's like, again, it's like, what we have between our legs is not some dirty little secret boners happen. And especially if you're, 
if you're enjoying yourself and the company of somebody else, boners are going to happen. And so when I was, <laughs> I remember when I was making out with Liddy at the very end of my episode, I think the host, Aim Pashrath, even mentioned something about me getting excited as she and I were making out because she is a very attractive woman. I was getting excited. I was making out with an attractive woman. Why wouldn't I get excited? There you go. Well, now I have the answer to my question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you'll sleep easier tonight. No, not really, but... Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, hey, couple, a couple of things before we let you go. Yes. Uh, you were the main character voice over in WWE 2K19, correct? Who was that, and that, how did that come about? Uh, that's correct. Um, and the way that came about is shortly after my time on Tough Enough, one of the things I uh, put a deliberate effort into doing was... I wanted to sign with an agency, uh, a talent agency in the San Francisco Bay Area because, you know, at the time I still wanted to get signed by WWE and something that they value is that they can send their performers to do anything, radio or television or a guest shot on a movie or anything. They need them to be able to fill any number of different roles. Sure. And so I wanted to build up my resume and other avenues of entertainment to show them that I could do that. Um, so I signed with an agency and they sent me out on auditions for everything. I mean, the stuff that we already went over, you know, television and movies and acting and, and, and reality, reality TV hosting, all that stuff. But one of the other thing they did was send me out for voiceovers. So they sent me on an audition for this voiceover project with that had a wrestling centered storyline. And I was like, oh, I've got wrestling experience. I'd be perfect for this. So I did the audition. A week went by. I thought I didn't get the role because I usually hear a day or two after an audition if I got the role or not. A week went by. I get an email that says, hey, uh, we liked what you did. We want to book you for the role. But by the way, uh, the title of this project is not the working title that we gave you prior. This is actually WWE 2K19, and we want you to voice the main character in the My Career mode. And growing up playing video games and growing up a professional wrestler, I lost my mind. I, I don't know. It was a dream gig come true. And everybody at 2K was an absolutely was an absolute joy to work with. They're all wrestling fans. They take it very seriously. And so anybody listening to this who's like constantly complaining about 2K for whatever reason, they're wrestling fans like they're it's a it's a wrestling game by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. So they hear you, they understand you. Um, and it was just, it was one of those gigs where I'm just like, I'm going to have a hard time beating this one, but I'm going to have a hell of a time making it happen. <laughs> any, any, uh, any hint on if you did anything for this year's video game? You can't see me right now, but I'm doing the shrugging emoji. I have my shoulders up by my ears and my I hands figured. out to the side. I thought I'd give it a try. So, yeah, it's worth so a shot. <laughs> we'll, take, we'll take that as a yes that you can't talk about it, and uh, it'll be a surprise. And maybe uh, maybe when uh, when we find out, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll give you a call and have you back on. Look like you reunited with The Rock as, bro, as your bros of uh, Joe Brody character on something called Rock the Promo. Tell me about that because I don't remember hearing about that. Was that like a uh, like a YouTube thing that The Rock did? Yeah, exactly. So back in 2016, uh, The Rock launched his YouTube channel and the project he used to launch his YouTube channel was Rock the Promo, which was a weekly. Let me see if I can get this terminology right. A weekly episodic single elimination promo tournament evaluated by 
big names in professional wrestling. So, like, I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but my rounds were judged by Kurt Angle, Christian, Cody Rhodes, Mick Foley, and then The Rock himself judged the finals. Oh, wow. Um, and then I think I think also Rey Mysterio, Tommy Dreamer, and I think The Hurricane were also involved. That may have been everybody right there, actually. But um, Edge as well. Um but, but yeah, that's that was again same same mindset. When I saw that happening, I'm like, I feel like I know how to cut a promo. I've got this character, Bros of Joe Brody. Um, somebody has to win. I think it should be me. Why not? Let's give it a shot. Um, so I sent in a promo introducing the casting directors to Bros of Joe Brody. They enjoyed it. Um, they told me that I was going to be one of the competitors in the show and. You know, the first promo was me kind of setting the stage, introducing the character. And then after that, I would cut a promo on my opponent uh, for that round. And then the um, wrestling legend would decide who had the better promo. So, um, you know, I, I got the nod from everybody I just mentioned and would go on to be the first and as of now only Rock the Promo champion. That's awesome. Did The Rock remember you from Tough Enough? Uh, he did. Yeah, he did remember me from Tough Enough. And that's something that, you know, he didn't want to want to mention it. And nobody at, at, at Seven Bucks wanted to mention it because they didn't want to think that he was um, playing favorites. Right. Um, but I don't you know, I don't I never was. If you go back and watch it, I don't think there's any question that I had the, the that I was the clear choice for the winner. So you have not wrestled a professional match in about two and a half years. Uh, you claim uh, when I was talking to you earlier, you uh, did not, you have not had your last match. Uh, what are you doing now in the wrestling business, and uh, and and what are you looking uh, to do to put a wrap on the in-ring career, if at all? Yeah. So nowadays, um, as I said earlier, I feel like my contributions are most valuable behind a microphone. So I am hosting, uh, ring announcing, and providing commentary at professional wrestling shows uh not just pro wrestling by the way i also do uh boxing and mma as well and i'm very happy to have kind of started in pro wrestling and branched out to other combat sports um and i have such a blast doing that like i love keeping the energy high between matches i love calling the action um it comes easily to me naturally to me and i just feel like i have the best in the house i still get to be a fan and when i'm calling the action i i love being able to accentuate the story that's happening in the ring and point out the details that make the story mean that much more i get such a kick out of that not to mention it's a lot easier on my body sure um i don't know when my last match is going to be i don't know who it's going to be against or when it's going to happen but i do know that i just i have one more in me, but I want it to be the right story, the right opponent, uh, and or of course the right payout. Um, sure. So it hasn't happened yet, but I don't think I don't think it's too far away. I mean, that, and that's just my gut telling me that. It just I don't think it's too far away. Maybe you could uh, finally hook up with uh, Bruce of Joe Brady. That would be something. <laughs> one time only, guaranteed never to happen again. I don't know how we'd make that happen, but we got to make. He's been ducking me for a long time. He lost a bet to me. <laughs> Like about eight years ago, he's been ducking me ever since. So you'll know. You, I almost guarantee you'll never see us in the same room. Almost guaranteed. 
Hey, uh, great talking to you, man. What an interesting story, all the different things that you've accomplished. And, and you're a younger, uh, young guy, you know, so uh, congratulations. I mean, reality TV, Thank you. you know, d- dating naked. You got to, uh, you know, be a, the lead character for uh, WWE 2K19. And and, and uh, what a cool, it sounds like a cool journey, man. And uh, I wish you well, and we'll, we'll continue to follow it. I know you have a, a, a pretty niche popularity on Twitter, but for those of you who are maybe listening for the first time and and hearing your story, where could they find you on social media? Well, I really appreciate the kind words. I had a blast talking with you, and you know, if there's ever a chance to do it again, I would love to. Uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram at AJ Kirsch. That's A J K I R S C H. Uh, Facebook.com. I know nobody uses Facebook anymore, but I'm old, so I'm going to plug it. Facebook.com slash I am AJ Kirsch. And I've been uploading new content to my YouTube almost daily. YouTube.com slash I am AJ Kirsch. And um, again, I was thrilled that you reached out to me. Um, I'm really happy to be on your show. And in all seriousness, I would love to come back uh, if and when the time is right. So thank you very much for having me. Great, great story. You finally answered my million-dollar question on, uh, on, on, <laughs> yes. on who, who who'd have thought that David Penzer's million-dollar question would be about hard-ons, but it just is. I'm sorry. That's uh, it, right. Hashtag boners happen. <laughs> want to thank A.J. Kirsch. Fun time chatting with him about all things A.J. Kirsch. And uh, so glad that I got to ask the questions that I've always wanted to ask about these dating reality shows. And um, uh, now I know the rest of the story, as the old saying goes. So uh wanted to have some fun. And I knew from watching him and following him on Twitter and from what he's done in his career, all the different things that he's participated in and how good of a, a talker he is that he would be a blast to have on. So I wanted to make that happen, and we made it happen this week exclusively on City Ringside. And if you like what you hear each and every week, be sure to tell your friends and neighbors, spread the word. If you don't already subscribe, so you get it automatically every Monday morning, and like I said, you could join us on Twitter at David Penzer or at Penzer Ringside. Had some interesting conversations this past weekend on Twitter about, uh, and we've talked about this in the past, about what's uh, heat in 2019 in the wrestling business, uh, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, uh, based on a couple of things that happened uh, at StarCast this weekend, this uh, last weekend, excuse me. And uh, it's an ongoing conversation that I, I, I enjoy having not only on the podcast, as we did with Sam Adonis and others, but um, but also having on, on Twitter. So come join me, won't you, at David Penzer, and come and enjoy the fun that is Twitter. Nothing negative, no negativity, unless Disco chimes in. And uh, it's all positive stuff. Nobody has a wrong answer. Nobody uh, gets uh, harassed for their opinion. And... Um, uh, everybody is right because everybody is entitled to their own train of thought. So come on and join us at David Penzer and let's build it up. And uh, once again, want to thank AJ Kirsch looking forward to in the next couple of weeks since football season is upon us. want to thank impact wrestling. They are working to uh, get moose on the show. As you know, a former NFL player and with football season in full swing uh we're going to get moose on to talk about not only uh his football career uh but his uh transition into professional wrestling and the differences the similarities of the two uh sports so to speak uh 
So hope you enjoyed this week on City Ringside. As always, you can check out the archives, over 100 interviews with uh, wrestling legends, top women wrestlers, uh, up-and-coming stars, and uh, so much fun stuff. A lot of history in those 100-plus hours uh, discussed. A lot of stories told. So if you haven't already, I uh, uh, suggest that if you have a little time on your hands, check out our archives. And uh, if, your prof- if your favorite wrestler or one of your favorite talents has been on the show, give it a listen. And I think you will like what you hear. Until next week, I'm David Penzer, still City Ringside. Goodbye. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Hey, gang, Jerry P. Tuck here, co-host of A Place for My Head. Each week, Brandon Thompson and I are going to be talking about the importance of mental health. We're going to be talking everything from stress, anxiety, different mental illnesses, different chronic illnesses, and frankly, the rigors of everyday life and how we all struggle to get through it. We're not medical professionals, but we are looking to start that conversation that needs to be had about the stigma around mental illness and how it affects us every single day. We'll talk to experts, but at the end of the day, A Place for My Head is all about real people with real stories about real life. Check out A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and myself, Jerry P. Tuck, each week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.